0: Welcome to Hope Ahead, A Journey of Infertility. My name is Naomi Ripstein.
1: And this is Ryan Ripstein.
0: And this is our story and struggle of trying to conceive.
1: We hope and pray that by sharing our experiences and trials, we will bring glory to God, awareness to infertility, and also be encouraging to others.
0: And just a reminder, this is our story and personal experiences. We are not offering medical advice.
1: Well, we hope you enjoy the discussion, and thanks for listening.
0: And welcome to episode 11 of Hope Ahead.
1: Mm-hmm. So we
0: have an update for you guys.
1: Exciting. Yeah. I think it's exciting.
0: It is exciting. It is finally some answers, mm-hmm. you know, that we were looking for from the surgery.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So um, we'll go ahead and have Ryan open us up in a word of prayer just to set the mood and get us back into the flow of doing mm-hmm. a podcast. And All right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to do this podcast. And we just thank you for those that are watching or listening in. Um, We just ask you to be with them and whatever they're going through uh, with fertility struggles or um, miscarriages or anything like that. We just ask that you reach out and help them and encourage them. We ask that this podcast would be an encouragement as well. And just a glorifying, uh, glorification for you and what you're doing in our lives.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you. So uh, just a side note, this episode is kind of talking about the surgery and what all we went through and now kind of giving us a little bit of hope. And so mm-hmm. I thought it was appropriate to wear my Hope Ahead shirt right. that I designed back before we even thought of the podcast but it came up for the name and everything. It's a little faded and obviously I <laughs> need to redo it. I was not, I was working on becoming more proficient with the cricket. Yeah. If you guys are familiar, but yeah, pretty excited to like know that this is where we are in episode 11, you know, and yeah. this many episodes in and stuff yeah. we have to share with you guys. Yeah, so. Like
1: essentially. So now we've, you know, gone through all of the all history. The yeah. yeah. Recap of everything from four years back. So if you missed any of that, you know, encourage you to go back and listen to those previous episodes Mm -hmm. uh, so you're familiar with what's been going on and kind of, it'll make a lot more sense of what we're talking about in this one as far as Mm -hmm. like why we're very optimistic, um, but at the same time, maybe cautiously optimistic. Yeah. After so many years,
0: that's really all you can be, I feel like.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so we'll talk through it. But yeah, please do go back and check that out if you if you've missed any of those.
0: Yeah. So more this is still now, currently a little bit in the past, just since the surgery was about a month ago. Mm-hmm. But um ended up having surgery, um, a laparoscopic surgery, finally for someone to look inside my abdominal cavity to see my reproductive system from the outside in that sense. Um So this NAPRO doctor, he had a game plan. He's like, we're going to do this. We did the preliminary um, surgery stuff to make sure I was in good shape for all the Mm -hmm. anesthesia and stuff. And so what they had set me up for was to do a selective HSG, um, a hysteroscopy again with the four biopsies of the different um, cavity parts of the uterus, and then the laparoscopic procedure so that they could kind of look and assess if there was any endo, any PCOS, anything like that, anything bad going on, on the outside of my reproductive system. Right. So, um, and we had kind of done a little recap of this on the Instagram story. So that highlight is still up there too. But um, just in general for like the surgery, we, you know, we showed up the day of the surgery. Overall, I felt very well informed and cared for by the staff. They did a really good job and praise to the Lord for keeping Every me calm, keeping Ryan calm. I mean, it really was a pleasant experience. There really wasn't a lot of fear. There was more or less just maybe still a little bit of like, oh, we have to do this. But honestly, at the same time, I was like, we get to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, we get to find out some stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, the MD, like the NAPRO doctor that we've been seeing, he really had been pretty confident back when we even saw him in June Mm -hmm. about like certain things I was talking about. Now at this point, like I said, it had been four years that Mm -hmm. we've been trying since the miscarriage, but just telling him just basic like monthly symptoms that I would have or not have or whatever, he was like, well, he was kind of suspicious of some Mm -hmm. stuff. So um, it gave him a good idea. Now he did say that Things would be more solidified once he looked inside, but he had a pretty good idea. And I just kind of brought it back around to like, I wish more clinicians were educated this way and acted this way because not that the other doctors that I have seen or we've seen together, um, were bad. They just weren't willing to do a little bit extra that we were wanting. And yeah.
1: or knew what else to do. Yeah. I mean, they I, I like don't an really idea, know. But they weren't
0: really willing to act on it. Right. Like I don't really know
1: yeah. where they would fall. And if all of them, I mean, it seems like a pretty wide range of, yeah. you know, not knowing what to do, unwilling to do anything else. Right. Somewhere in there. And I think it's a pretty wide window. Right.
0: And even to have the resources to refer patients to other doctors. I mean, because I'm definitely going to talk to. Mm-hmm my regular OB about this NAPRO doctor mm-hmm. for future patients that are similar to me or ones that don't know rather than unless they want to do IVF right away and they mm-hmm. want to just do the fertility clinic but if they really want to kind of know what's going on yeah you know this is yeah the doctor to go to yeah
1: I think it makes a lot of sense for the, the unexplained mm-hmm. infertility mm-hmm. I mean
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah you know, what what gets brushed off as unexplained infertility at least for us was not unexplained. Right. We officially and, do have a right, diagnosis now. Right. There was no. something. Yeah. yeah. Albeit, you know, low grade or whatever you want to call it, that didn't have all this typical red flag symptoms. Yeah, it didn't have the right?
0: red flags. Right. so Mine were like yellow that he kind of, like I said, he kind of picked right. up like on. Right. If like you, if you know but, what yeah. you're
1: looking for, it would be an indication. But yeah. again, for the other ones that you know, don't know what else to do or unwilling to right. look, anything like that. Inside that window, it's just eh, yeah. rubber stamp, yeah. you know, unexplained infertility. So.
0: Yeah. So this kind of segues into, like, how did you feel, like, day of, like, when I was getting into surgery? I did mention kind of, like, you caught the IV drip. Yeah. Little issue. But, I mean, did you feel confident? You know? I felt
1: confident. So I'm – you you probably know this about me, but just surgery in general, I'm quite trusting Okay. And yeah. I, I absolutely believe that they know what they're doing and are capable. And I'm, I tend ask to be worried. You asked some questions,
0: but not as as I asked like some I questions, would, but even yeah. when I
1: had my, uh, my sinus surgery back, mm-hmm. you know, I was all like, "La la la, I'm just going in for surgery, no big deal." Before we were married, you know, I had this surgery, yeah, and, and I went going in
0: under anesthesia. and tell didn't anybody. Tell, like, did didn't did tell family. Nothing.
1: I was just like, "It's just a thing. Let's go do it." And that was and a long
0: surgery too.
1: It was. Yeah, it was a while. <laughs> so. That's a synopsis, like a summary of my trusting ability well, to good. trust. So that so means
0: he felt that confident even for I was me. yeah.
1: I and I think if I guess if it if there is a lack of confidence then that would say more than right. my being at ease. Right. And I was at ease. Yeah. So so from that perspective. But yeah, when they're talking about the joke, I mean from what I know about IVs and air and your blood mm-hmm. stream is like, I know that's not good. Yeah. So, yeah,
0: he saw some air in the line, and it was a decent amount. Um, It probably would have mostly just hurt me, but there could have been a chance of, like, some embolism and stuff yeah. like that, so it was good that he caught it. So I was
1: like, what about the, that? And yeah, like, yeah it's a couple of bubbles. I was like, that's it. a big...
0: Yeah, she saw it. It's like a yes. whole
1: air gap. It yeah. wasn't just a bubble. And it's like, sort. I'm just sitting
0: there in the bed, yeah. just hooked up to it and watching it Yeah, up. I was I'm like,
1: like uh. uh, I don't think <laughs> so, that's okay. So, so, I'm
0: glad Ryan was a... T- yeah, you were too... That kind of stuff made me
1: nervous but the operation the doctor's ability to do what they need to do
0: and overall other than that I mean the nurse was really good she she put in my the IV in my hand like like a pro like she should be right she did great I didn't really even feel it I wasn't uncomfortable she was very sweet and very Mm -hmm. considerate like even the the first um like nursing aide that helped me in and got me hooked up with the EKG and stuff or I mean for the telemetry and everything she was really sweet like everybody was just they, they were doing their job well, mm-hmm. um, and we just, we, you know, we went over a bunch of procedural things, confirmation legal stuff, had to sign a bunch of stuff like that, and then we met with the anesthesiologist, um, nice guy, I didn't really talk to him too much, mm-hmm. but he just kind of asked me some basic questions about my history. Um, I do have a tooth implant, so they are very uh, wanting to know about that because this time I was going to be intubated, which um, normally for this type of procedure since you're, I think normally it's when you're under longer that they normally intubate you for the sake of your lungs and stuff. Sure. But um so he talked to me and then I met his nurse and she was really sweet and talked to me. And there were some other surgical nurses that came into the room and just trying to make me feel at ease. And the anesthesiologist nurse, then I remember her telling me she's going to put something to my IV just to make me relax. And I started to remember feeling it take effect. Like it was just kind of like a little bit of like a, heavy sleepy feeling mm-hmm. and i remember them wheeling me out of the room to take me to the operating room and that's the last i remember so mm-hmm. i probably was out before we even got halfway down the hallway mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um and then they had you go yeah to the waiting so when area. they
1: when they wheeled you away or had you ready they had me go out to the waiting room okay um and i was there for a total from the time i left you to the time i met back up with you it was probably two hours
0: okay and Something like that. it's very typical now of the hospitals, at least in the U.S. I don't know if they do this everywhere in the U.S. or if they do, it, but they really do a good job of um, sending you texts and updates, mm-hmm. or letting you even see like they don't necessarily list like the patient's name, but they give you a number. The number, yeah. And right, you job. can see where they are on um, a television screen, yeah, based off status, and like yeah, if they're in the operating room, if they're in recovery or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that system has been very nice. well done in that yeah, sense and so I knew was they communicated on. well with him mm-hmm. and so you, he was telling me yeah. i got real it was like i i was in the operating room by nine but my surgery really didn't start until it started
1: about nine thirty or
0: so okay and i
1: think by oh you were saying like like 10 like maybe it started at 10
0: yeah something a little before something 10, like I 10 think.
1: right yeah right yeah. at 10 the yeah surgery started and probably by 10:30 or 10:40, the surgeon was done
0: yeah came out the and came out to
1: talk to me yeah. and then you were probably in there for a little while longer while mm-hmm. they got you prepped moved you to recovery mm-hmm. and I think you were in recovery for about 30 or 45 minutes mm-hmm. before they brought me back to mm-hmm. you
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh during which time I was meeting with the doctor for Probably 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah.
0: he And, the, and I he was asking, like, or, he spent time with him. Yeah. So it wasn't like it was a rush thing. He had all the pictures. Mm-hmm. And he wrote on the pictures. I yep. still have those. And, like, went through and really described yep. and stuff. Explain because that's the bummer thing. He did say we couldn't record him. so I was like, record him? So I know exactly what he said. Yeah. And he's like, well, we don't allow that. Do that. And he's yeah. like, but um, I'll, you know, do very good notes. And they were. They, they were good. Yeah. But it, it was a little, my control part yeah. was like, ah, why can't was, I know this? Like, and it was
1: good that I got to tell you pretty quickly after mm-hmm, you told me, so mm-hmm.
0: I didn't forget it. <laughs> Sorry, so I didn't forget it. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I remember waking up in the PACU, which is the um, unit that they take you right after you come out of the operating room, and um, I remember in the sense of, like, kind of waking up, and I remember coughing, and I think that's just from being intubated and stuff, and so the nurse there, she was like, do you want some ice? And I was like, yeah, I took some ice. And... I was kind of in and out. Like I remember looking at the clock and it was maybe around like 1115 or something. But like when I would look again, it would already be like 1120, 11. 1125, 11. 1130. 11. And I was like, Whoa, it only felt like a minute. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but most it was coughing. And then I started doing my typical PT assessment, like bending my legs up one at a time, both together. I was moving them side to side. I was like pressing on my stomach, like just checking for tenderness or discomfort. And the nurse saw me do that. And she's like, are you okay? She's like, are you having any pain? And I was like, no. I was like, I I feel okay. And she's like, what would you rate it? And I was like, oh, maybe a three out of 10. And I was like, it just feels like cramping, like stuff that we deal with all the time. And she's like, all right. Yeah, you're right. She's like, us as women, we deal Mm -hmm. with that. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, nothing ever major with the intubation, which I was a little nervous about that because that was the first time, but really just coffee, no sore throat or anything, whatever they did, they did a good job. So, (laughs) but, um, I did look to see, I got a list later, this was after surgery of like all the medications that they give you when you're in there. And I was like surprised, but not surprised, but I was like, oh my gosh, like so many things pumped into my body, like things for my heart rate, things for like my pain, things for, um, just overall control of whatever else they were doing in there for like moving things around. And so I'm sure my vitals, like they were just keeping me stable, right? But, um, it was kind of interesting to see all that stuff. And then, but I mean, really, I felt pretty good, you know? So mm-hmm. whatever they gave me was working. You know? Right. <laughs> um, but then I think it was, we were just, we were talking about it in the sense like maybe there for about 30 to 45 minutes. And then they moved me more to the recovery floor mm-hmm. um, where I got like a, now a new nurse. Um, and I do remember the PACU nurse asking me, like, she's like, do you still feel like you're bleeding or anything? Because remember, he, with the hysteroscopy and um, other stuff, he was looking at. They did go up inside me, so she looked under my blanket, and there was a significant amount of bleeding. But that's kind of to be expected, and really, I didn't notice any major discomfort other than I'm like, oh, let's look there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, but yes, I met Ryan then and yep. on the way to recovery. They called me
1: back, and we kind of met in the hallway. Yeah. As you were being wheeled to an elevator, to I take reached you to for him. Midst. Yep. Like, you know. Yep. I yeah, like, I'm here.
0: Yeah. yeah. Very happy to see him, but I was also really anxious to hear the result. The result. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was like, okay, hey, what did we find? Yep. You know, like. Yep. And had my so, folder. Had all my, and, my yeah.
1: paperwork and stuff. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so I was like, what did they find? And kind of like we alluded to earlier, I'm like, we now officially have a diagnosis. Yes. It's not unexplained anymore. That's
1: right. Yeah. So. So, so the thing we, and we've kind of alluded to it in previous episodes of like what we what we were told it most likely is not mm-hmm. was endometriosis PCOS
0: and well, everything there's like always that. always a suspect well, of endo because the only symptom would be the miscarriage and the infertility. Sure.
1: We, but it's like they didn't yeah. check it and they're like it's yeah, probably they not they it. were like you would have other things. Yeah. It's probably not that. Well, this exploratory surgery found that you had two spots of endometriosis. Mm-hmm. Both um ovaries ovaries had pcos
0: yep
1: and And both covered in yeah it just covered like a lot like not kind of mild it was pretty big yeah and then both of your fallopian tubes were partially blocked Mm -hmm. partially obstructed Mm -hmm. and then there was some scar tissue from the previous leak yeah
0: Um,
1: yeah the leap surgery that so the leap that I had, had, had in May of twenty two, of, May of 22.
0: Um, and you know and that's always a risk factor when you have this because they're going and burning off like the the mm-hmm. outer layer of your cervix and the odds that leads up into your uterus. So she did tell me that that there could be some scar tissue and when we checked, you know, at the seventh month checkout, like she said everything looked good, but I don't know if things had developed more from there. But um, according to him and the surgeon, it had made it my cervix pretty rigid. Yeah. So yeah. Um.
1: And then what was surprising to me is that I don't remember if it was that day or maybe when we had the checkup with him later, where he mentioned any one of those four could likely have. Yeah, because you told caused, me that in
0: the surgery. Yeah.
1: Could likely have caused yeah. the infertility. Yeah. Any yeah. one of them by itself.
0: Go big or go home. Yeah.
1: So it's like, <laughs> you know, the, the chances. Of each of those multiplied together, we were, like, mm-hmm. in the one in the thousand
0: And just a chance. reminder, I mean, I'm someone that has a very typical cycle, my symptoms. Yeah. Um, even back before I started really tracking and doing stuff, like, I mean, I always had maybe one or two days of some cramping. Maybe the first day would be bad, but nothing major, no extra heavy bleeding. It would taper off. My period would be anywhere from, like, five to six days, you know, so it wasn't short. It wasn't long. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, like... I didn't have pain going to number two. I didn't have pain with sex. I didn't have overly, like, annoying mid-cycle bleeding. There was maybe a couple of times, I guess, I had during our trying to conceive uh, journey. There were, like, two months I had mid-cycle bleeding, but that really had never happened to me before. Mm -hmm. And that was also when we were trying to do stuff with Clomid, so things were just whacked. But but really, it was very interesting to me because, yes, there were certain things. Because, like, when he asked me symptoms, I mean, it's all the stuff of, like, Headaches, back pain, sore breasts, you know, um, bleeding during this time, spotting, doing I mean, like when he asked some of that stuff and I'm like, yeah, all some stuff that I thought was pretty much normal, which I've kind of alluded to before, like I have since learned not even with him, but even before that with just people that I follow on Instagram or other like um, fertility seminars that I've watched that like period symptoms are not normal. That is your body telling you that your hormones are off and that something's wrong but we just kind of, as women, we just get used to it, or we just assume it's the rite of passage. Mm. Everybody has a crappy period, and you mm. know it's just part of what it is, right? So, but I um, I definitely was it's sad, emotional. yeah, and frustrated when you told me yeah. that because I was like, how was this missed for so long? But then yeah. I was so grateful in that same yes. moment that yes. something had been found. Yeah, we finally had a reason.
1: I was you know. definitely frustrated as well, mm-hmm. right? That's when it kind of kicked in. Like mm-hmm. like we've been told for so long, it's probably not these things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it turns out all of those things. Yeah. were The only you know, one
0: really, like I said, that someone had alluded to was endo. You know, but, but no still, one was willing to do the laparoscopic right. surgery yeah, to really it was, test it. Yeah,
1: but what was surprising to me in that moment was that you were sad, emotional. Yeah, And to me, like I told her, this is probably a guy thing, but like, I told her in a positive way. Like, I was happy about telling her. Yeah, they had to tell It's kind of like, <laughs> what was it? What was it, Robin Hood Minutides? He's like, tell you what, if you tell me the bad news in a good way, maybe it won't seem yeah, so bad. And it's like, him when
0: he's laughing. He's
1: yeah, crying. and I'm like, so I'm just telling her this news <laughs> that I think is good news. Like, really, yeah. it is. And then she starts crying with, like, oh, yeah, that's not.
0: That's not what I meant to do. Yeah, it was a sad and a grateful emotional response, right? Yeah. So all wrapped into one. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was very, like, at the same time, I mean, it really was. There was, like you said, with all four of those things, there was definitely a reason I wasn't getting pregnant. That's right. all this trying that we were doing, even though we were really good at it, is that it was null and void because my body was, like,
1: no yeah and all those times that we would try and get hopeful Mm -hmm. and do like things we were trying and then get disappointed and frustrated Mm -hmm. that we didn't get pregnant again and all these Mm -hmm. things it's like it's kind of like what a waste of emotions yeah you know it's like to be
0: fair I mean I know women that have had endo mm -hmm. and I know women that have had PCOS and they were still able to get pregnant now they did have to do some different things you know, for like diet or like supplements or other like uh, actual medication and stuff to help with their symptoms or whatever. But I think just the fact that it was like the combination and then even with my tubes, you know, the fact that they were partially blocked because I had had um, a simple HSG, which is where they, I think we've talked about before, where they push the fluid up through your cervix to fill your tubes just to see if it flows up. Essentially, what like sperm would do, like to reach the egg and everything, and that was great. Like there was didn't show any obstructions, didn't show any polyps or anything like that. But with the selective HSG, which you kind of almost think they should just do anyway, but I've heard it's more painful, and thankfully mm. I was under. But um, they fill the tubes up and then watch them drain. So that way, now they're looking to see if the egg is even able to make it down the tube yeah. to get fertilized. And that's a very obviously important very thing, right? Yeah. Because you don't want to have an ectopic pregnancy <laughs> or anything. But even with it being partially blocked, that meant that it was inflamed and everything. And there would have been more obstructions for like sperm swimming up there and everything. Mm-hmm. So just another, and, and you know, I um I don't know if that would have shown up at all on that simple HSG or if it really took this to do it because it's like when did this show up when did it I don't know that's the other question
1: that's a fair question too it's like were were they actually partially blocked Mm -hmm. when you had
0: this simple Mm -hmm. yeah I don't know so um, I didn't get to see the doctor I just you know mostly went off of Ryan's notes and the pictures Mm -hmm. he gave me and then I was set for a follow-up for two weeks to where I could really ask more of the questions so Mm -hmm. like I said that was a little frustrating just because you want to know, but he had to do another surgery. So he's obviously a busy person. But um, I did think Ryan did a good job in like telling me, thankfully, like he said, he could tell me right (laughs) after (laughs) he talked to him. So, um, and this is kind of a a cool story in the sense. So now that I'm in the recovery room, just where get the news about everything that was found and really like letting that sit in the nurse that we had, Um, sweet lady first off, but she was kind enough to share her story. And this is just how God uses people to encourage in any situation, Mm -hmm. right? Hopefully like with us sharing, we're encouraging you and others. And, but, um, she shared her story that she, um, she's from a foreign country and had come to the U S to do IVF and had five failed IVF rounds, um, and essentially went into bankruptcy and so then she said that she ended up having a procedure similar to mine she didn't really go into detail of what it was exactly but had a procedure and then was able to get pregnant naturally at age 38 um, 38, and I'm 38 and that she had her beautiful daughter and then lo and behold 10 years later so now at age 48 she ended up getting a surprise pregnancy with her son yeah, no, okay. and yeah. yeah, like she almost thought she's like, am I going through menopause? <laughs> What's going on? All this stuff. And then she's like, "Surprise!" Yeah. so I was like, what a, what a blessing and a miracle for us to have her as our nurse, but yeah. then also just for blessing and a miracle for kids that came along that way. Yeah. And for her to be able to just share that story, you yeah. know, and, and, it, it, uses and work yeah her life. You like know? you
1: said, it is encouraging. Yeah. To, to you, encouraging to me, yeah. because like we've talked about again before for the podcast, it's like, now my concern about us getting pregnant is my energy level. Yeah.
0: To know that she was 48 to, and, as and to a kid. To know she yeah. was
1: 48 for her second kid. I was like, okay.
0: She's in her 50s. Like, with I can, toddler, yeah, I can, uh,
1: I can make it. I can do <laughs> this, right? So, yeah, because
0: yeah, yeah, I think she told us she is 56 currently. So yeah. her little boy is eight years old now, but yeah. So, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Um, so, we got home from the surgery. I think we were saying we left essentially about six hours after we arrived. We had to get there at 7.30 for the surgery at yeah. 9.30 in the morning. Yep. Two hours
1: before the For paperwork. I, and yeah. And
0: I left. For, I remember right. us leaving. It was some time after 1, maybe 1, 1.30. Yep. But um, I was ready for my coffee because, you know, yep. you can't have stuff leading up mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. So, we stopped at a Starbucks in the hospital yeah, the and out. I got my <laughs> white chocolate mocha hit the spot yeah. felt great you know and once I think I sent that to my family they're like okay she's gonna be alright yeah yeah
1: <laughs> Everything's fine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So
0: um, I really was feeling pretty good um, and wanted to keep moving because I know that's important. You know, after surgery and after abdominal surgery, I was really trying to make sure I was doing my posture because since everything was kind of tender down in my abdominal area, you do kind of want to flex forward and protect it. So I was really trying to make sure I was standing up well and kind of guarding, you know, um, splinting my stomach with my arms a few times when I'd have to get up or down. But I went for a walk, you know. Had Ryan walk Chance, our dog, because with the pulling. Yeah. Um, because I am, I was limited for two weeks essentially to like 10 to 15 pounds. How much weight you could? Yeah. Restrict. Yeah. So, um, and like my, um, I mostly just felt winded, but my pain really wasn't bad that Friday night. Um, and then my bleeding essentially stopped by Saturday. I had a little bit that would come back here, um, hit or miss. That would just be like, you know, old stuff moving through that essentially would be like if I overdid it or um, maybe just did a little bit more exertion, but nothing ever really hurt. Mm -hmm. But Friday night into Saturday was probably my worst night. And so Mm -hmm. now I know for next time I'll take the uh, stronger pain medication instead of just ibuprofen because trying to roll over that night was pretty rough. To um, so kind then, of stay ahead
1: of the curve yeah, instead of Yeah, because I
0: still had the drugs from the surgery in my system. Yes. But I probably should have still taken something. Yeah. You know? And now I know that for next time.
1: Well, so, yeah, right. like you said, with all the drugs they gave you, yeah. it had you kind of like this false security, yeah. this false... yeah
0: which is great though, because really sometimes since I'm a physical therapist, I deal with people out of surgery all the time. And sometimes that pain medicine doesn't do anything and they're miserable as soon as they wake up. So I was very, I was like, okay, thank you, Lord. Mm
1: -hmm. But, um,
0: you know, I, I just wanted to make sure that I was moving and being smart about stuff. And Saturday I pretty much felt like I was punched in the stomach. And if you guys had followed me on my stories, I pretty much looked like I was, I had a nice big old bruise from my, belly button down River, to like yeah. my pubic bone. Um just from where I guess they were going in there and moving because that's essentially where my uterus yeah. would have been flipped around and looked at. Yeah. But um for the most part, I mean, felt good and I think I got off of pain medication by Sunday evening into Monday. And I was I was good. I was mm-hmm. hydrating still more. Had mm-hmm. some um I was kind of getting into like things that kinda helped me pre and post surgery. Right. So, increased my walking activity um, for, like, speed and distance, trying to really work on my lungs and my muscles for, and my cardio, like, for the anesthesia, but also just to be in good shape, good posture. I drank more water. I normally try to drink at least 80 ounces um, a day of just water. I mean, other drinks are in there, too. But um, this time, I was trying to ink for three of my 40-ounce bottle. (laughs) It was a little tough sometimes, but I was trying – I did castor oil packs, which I've talked to you guys about before. That's helpful for fertility, but really good for your liver breakdown or your liver um, detoxification and for circulation. So really just making sure everything underneath my abdominal area was getting good blood circulation, getting any blockages kind of out there for when they were going to do surgery. Things hopefully would heal better. Um, I moisturized my stomach with like lotion and different things like that. would massage my abdominal area in preparation, kind of doing a little bit of, like, the fertility massage in a gentle way, though, um, just to kind of, where I know where certain blood vessels are to kind of move and work things along. Um, Ate more fiber, and I prepped fibrous food, like, got some soups and different, like, Mm -hmm. bean salad stuff that I had set up, um, and did have some sweet friends that came over and brought us meals two nights leading into it. I think it was, like, the second, and then the the third night, or something, mm-hmm. so I'm very grateful for them, yeah, you know, having is. somebody else take care of that responsibility, yeah. You just know, have I, to don't
1: worry about yeah, it, yeah.
0: Stuff he didn't have to worry about, and I also just, you know, what standing and trying to cook and stuff, which is why I prepped food, um, standing would just be a little exhausting, like I said, you're just kind of winded, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I continued to walk and work towards building my tolerance back up with that. Good posture, working on my abdominal muscles. I did red light therapy to help my scar tissue heal. I did vitamin E oil um, once the glue came off of my scar, which was probably at about like 10 to 12 days, Mm -hmm. um, just to kind of help with that, like softening of the scar. Um, And that really just in the sense, I feel like the exercise and controlled movement, but I really was focusing on making sure I moved. Every, like, few hours mm-hmm. unless I was sleeping yeah, to kind of get my body used to doing the up and down and, you know, using my core in the right way and stuff.
1: But yeah, and that makes me think of, uh, I don't think we mentioned it, but because they, with the laparoscopy
0: mm-hmm.
1: portion of it, they they use a gas to kind of open up the, yes, the that's true. cavity. Yes, that's true. And a lot of the things you were doing were focusing on helping that gas. Yes get worked out of her system. So a
0: lot of the time they say your um, stomach can block it on your left. So it can tend to go up to your right shoulder. I did have it on both. I mean, my right, I definitely knows, but it really considering from what some other people that had had it, they said theirs was pretty bad. I would say mine was minor. There were certain times where it became a little bit of a sharper pain. But definitely had my heating yeah. pad to work it. it. was working my shoulder, shoulder shrugs, yeah. different things. Yeah, so movement yeah. is yes. what
1: helps, I think yes. they said with yes. that most Position
0: changes and stuff yes. too. So like not just lying flat, sitting up, you know, moving. And so you could mm-hmm. still be resting, but position changes yeah. in that resting mode. Yeah. Um. So in preparation for the next surgery, um, we will have another episode on this mm-hmm. with my two-week follow-up with the doctor. But we do have a date for the second surgery, so when he was in there, he was able to open up my tubes, um, remove the partial blockage, and he told Ryan that that should be good for a few years. He didn't, like, give, like, a specific, like, it was going to be good for five years. but Yeah, it was it, a while. Yeah, it like, be good for a while. while. Yeah, see. so mm-hmm. uh, enough time to really get a successful pregnancy or two or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he also cleaned up the scar tissue that was on my cervix because he was saying that, um, just with where it was present, it wasn't allowing the cervix to fully like open. Um, so it was more rigid and then it also was affecting like my cervical mucus, um, which was interesting because I still had a decent amount from that tea that I've been on, but I probably in the sense, um, maybe it wasn't good quality, you Mm -hmm. know? So Mm -hmm. I mean, whatever you need to do to help. So, I mean, I was fine with that, but, um, I'll continue in preparation for the surgery, doing my oil packs. I've been doing core workouts, holding my stomach in posture when I'm walking, um, trying to get a little bit more of a routine in and um, making sure so that, you know, like my muscles are a little bit better to be prodded around in and stuff like that mm-hmm. for next time. Uh, try to get this guy here on a routine with me as well. Maybe it's always a,
1: it's difficult. It's not a battle, but it's,
0: <laughs> it's a struggle it's yeah. for motivation, which I'm sure you guys can know. Motivation right? is um, yeah, the big time. But definitely keeping my focus um, on the right foods and the right supplements and everything, now that we know about the PCOS, that is also inflammation. Those are my follicles with cysts and essentially not healthy follicles. So help the inflammation on them so they can shrink back down, help the endo. Stay controlled and not inflamed and cause other issues, Um, even like in the sense of not making my tubes upset or, you know, my GI system upset. Um, I did mention, once again, too, in my stories about how the third edition of It Starts With an Egg um, recently came out the end of August, so if you've ever read that book, it's a great book. Um, This book is quite a bit thicker, um, but it's got some good information in there again, and able to kind of go over more supplements, more research of stuff that is helpful. Some of it's the same, um, but she has a little bit more research in there. But now that I I had it always on audio, but that's kind of hard to like when you're reading through for the supplements. So now to have it visually in a book, I was able to look at the supplements. A lot of stuff is what I had been taking, but I hadn't been taking it in conjunction with each other. Because we didn't know what the problem was. Mm-hmm. So I had taken all these medications at a certain point, just trying them for like a month just to see if it did anything. Mm-hmm. And along with keeping the routine of like prenatals and vitamin C and fish oil and CoQ10. But like there were other things that now I have added in to help with inflammation. Um, and my MD even said, he's like, everything that I was on prior was great. Um he had done research on those supplements, and he liked what I was taking, so I didn't need to really change anything from that. So, we have a little bit of hope, Yeah. Like we were saying, right? I mean, yeah. we have a diagnosis, we have another surgery where he plans on getting the endo and like resecting my ovaries in a sense. Um, you know, we have a plan to fix something, mm-hmm. and we know what a problem is and we have someone that's willing to work with us yeah. on that, you know? And so,
1: yeah. Like we said, cautiously optimistic. Again. That, yes. That
0: Year 23 has been,
1: yeah, it's been a, great. Lot a lot
0: of good information. Boy, we've made some leaps and bounds. It's um, not always been the stuff that we were expecting, right? Just as you guys know, you get news. It may not always be what you expect, but it is news and gives you tools to move forward and, you know, Help your body out, help friends out, you know, encourage others. So, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have our scripture. Mm-hmm. And so, since like we were saying, we're continuing this journey, and we have our official diagnosis, we're going to do Isaiah 40, 31. You want
1: to read? Yeah. It? Yeah. So, yeah, Isaiah forty thirty one 31 says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. Mm-hmm. They will walk and not be faint.
0: Yeah, And we do have hope in the Lord because that is where our strength comes from, for sure. Mm-hmm. So
1: Yeah, like we've talked about before. I mean, going through this journey, experience, struggle with infertility, all of the above, right? Going through this without having God to lean on that relationship, and that support, and that encouragement, personally, Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, I have to imagine what that would be like, but I can only imagine that it it would be just magnitudes more difficult Mm -hmm. than it has been, Mm -hmm. and not to say that going through it with his help has been all Rainbows and unicorns right. and but we're not alone. candy and yeah. and all these yeah. things either. Um but it has made it really like bearable and mm. to know that you know, we're not alone, we haven't been forgotten, you know, there is a there's a reason for this and mm-hmm. you know, and we're like we this said podcast, this podcast so, we yeah. believe is part of that reason. Yeah. And, you know, just being able to, to lean on that has been very helpful i think
0: mm-hmm. agree
1: not even for me personally but how i interact with my wife about it
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know if i was dealing with all this myself and internalizing all this you know how would i react toward you how would you react towards me and that's a whole other layer on top of what we're dealing with yep. by ourselves yep. internally right yep. so
0: yeah. yeah having got at the forefront. In the center of our marriage, I mean, all very important aspects on this journey and walk that we call life, right? Mm-hmm. So, I'm mm-hmm. gonna go ahead and close this out. Um, we will, we like do another episode on the two-week follow-up, and then hopefully we have a special podcast coming up. Um, find out more once it's officially recorded, and then we can share everything with you guys. But um, just more encouragement and different mm-hmm. things like that. So hope you guys have a blessed day and thank you for watching and listening. So close us out. Dear heavenly father, I just thank you once again for this podcast and I thank you for our viewers and our listeners, Lord, for, um, just their continued, um, return to listen into our story and also just be able to share with others and in their journey, in their pain, um, Lord, I just thank you in that way for this blessing of the journey that we're on. And it's not what I would have chosen. It's not what we would have chosen. But, Lord, we know that you know the bigger plan. And we are trusting in you to help us and see us through it. And we're trusting in you to help our listeners and viewers in the same way, um, giving them guidance and wisdom in what they do for their pursuit of finding their fertility um, solutions but also just in interacting with people that are going through um, infertility or fertility struggles just thank you again for my husband and thank you for everyone listening in, in jesus name amen amen yep. thanks right,
1: for guys. joining us y'all
0: till next time Bye. bye